Hello, everyone. Welcome to Calling All Useful Idiots. Calling All Useful Idiots. This is the call-in show that we do every Monday at 11 a.m., so mark it on your schedules. And, of course, we do this right after our live stream, um, our Monday morning's live stream, and that's spelled M-O-N-D-A-Y-M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. And that's where we watch, we react to the Sunday morning news shows that we watch so that you don't have to. Also, a reminder that you can and should subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Also, subscribe to our Substack for great extended interviews and bonus content, including every week we bring you a Thursday throwdown, which is when um, we do uh, react to media clips from the week that we don't get to from the Sunday shows. And, um, yeah, we have this week a great debate uh, between me and Aaron and I guess technically among, it's not awkward though, among me and Aaron and um, Bronco Marchetich about Tucker Carlson. So let's tweet this out. Let's get everyone into the room. Uh, no no questions, no uh, callers yet, but uh, we, we do see you listeners. We appreciate listeners, but come on with a question because we often don't have time to get to everyone's questions. And so if people just jumped on earlier, that wouldn't be a problem. Um, but Aaron, we don't have anyone here. Oh. Oh, wait, we do. We have a bunch of callers. Sorry about that. Okay, Lee, let's hear from you, Lee. Hello. Hi, how are you? Hi. Uh, okay, here's a quick one since um, I just jumped on and had wanted to ask Aaron you about this yesterday, but now both of you is even better. As we are wanting, like you were just saying, some voice of reasons somehow and since rfk jr is the best we got right now in promoting an independent vote one of the things in the conversations that i am around a lot all day every day is how fiercely necessary it is to stay with the duopoly and one of the examples is criticizing Tulsi Gabbard a lot, even though she's out of the game, sort of, but has always been an articulate voice in certain areas, but then so many are disillusioned with her. Since you two are staying in touch with the facts more than most of us all day, every day, how would you summarize what happened with Tulsi? Erin, you've mentioned being disillusioned you've got more perspective like with Syria and all of that but in in trying to support the substance of the for lack of a better term anti-war mindset and reality and truth um, when people pick an excuse to criticize it how using Tulsi an example how would you describe what happened with her does that make sense what happened with her in terms of her positions or people? Her, 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 her um, as an example of where pe- she has, she started with as reasonable an anti-military industrial complex position as we could see out there in her, her position within the system before she went independent. It's good that she went independent, but then now she's gone on some tangents that are hard to explain 
you know, like with the lake gal down in Texas and all that. So um, how I'm looking for the, the an articulate, you know, like concise way to explain really why the duopoly is, you know, the death of it. And and it's not it's not unreasonable to vote for you know for example what the way rfk is looking lately the junior with his new campaign manager being who he is right uh, how we can um to people who really are listening um why you, you they shouldn't be pressured into just voting for biden so it's not trump well i think that i mean biden's so i guess to that question you know people who really want to defeat trump should want the most viable person running against him. And also uh, they should want uh, Biden to practice debating because he's surrounded by so many yes men uh, and he's not very good at debating and it'll be good practice for him. So he doesn't get destroyed by Trump. So I think that people who would like Biden, but I also get that like, uh, that's not going to happen. Campaign manager is now uh, Aaron announced this earlier uh, is now, uh, Dennis Kucinich. Yeah. By I mean, way, Aaron, the, are you, do, what, how, what disillusioned you about uh, Tulsi, for example? Uh, you know, I never was a, like, um, you know, like, yeah, like a believer in, in Tulsi because I just don't trust politicians. Right. Uh, especially American ones. But uh, I just, I appreciated the stances she took on Syria and on the new Cold War in general, and I still really appreciate those stances. And yeah, she's got some views on other stuff that I I don't agree with. I find bizarre, but I I just I never had the kind of letdown because I never fully I was never totally on board with her, and I just appreciated where she was right. Well, same same with a lot of people. It's it's just wanting to not throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to trying to explain to people the triage situation that we're in with um, putting first things first rather than sweeping things under the rug and doing all the things you all are talking about. So thank you for all that. And and if you, if you feel like you're repeating yourself sometimes on the really essential points, please go ahead and repeat yourself anyway, because I think those who listen to you and want to share your podcasts and everything are are desperate some of us for um, when people are interested finding ways that to explain the way Matt Tybee does you know just that you all are a small tribe of really well-rounded people who are not polarizing in the way you explain things and I'm grateful for that uh done I'm done and done I'm happy to yeah, myself. Yeah. I'm happy Thank to hear myself because uh yeah. I don't have that much original material, so I have to repeat myself. Yeah. I have to recycle. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Lee. Thanks. Okay, Andrew. Hello, both of you. I hope you're doing well today. Um, Thanks, you too. Thank you. Um, are you aware of the arrest of Gonzalo Lira in Ukraine or who that is? Uh, yes, I am aware of it. Okay. I just, uh, if you don't mind, could I take a couple minutes to just speak about that and raise awareness about it? Sure. 
All right. Well, there's an American dual, a dual American Chilean citizen who's a right winger named uh, Gonzalo Lira, who goes by Coach Red Pill online. He had been living in Ukraine for years previous to the war starting in Kharkiv. And he is extremely, I guess you would say, pro-Russian in the sense that he uh, has a similar understanding as we would. Um, basically, he dissents from the Ukrainian mainstream line on the war and for whatever reason decided to report on the war in this uh from this perspective in kharkiv he was already arrested once released on house arrest which is why he couldn't leave after he was arrested the first time you might be wondering why is he still in kharkiv well he was on house arrest now he's been arrested again and the criminal violation that he's being um charged with is 436-2 of ukraine's criminal code and what that is, is essentially just denying the crimes of the Russian uh, invasion. A quote is, the blogger was one of the, this is from the SBU spokesperson. The blogger was one of the first to support Russian invaders and glorify their war crimes. Additionally, his comments disputed the details of Russian missile attacks on Ukrainian cities and mass murders of civilians. So he's been arrested again, and this time uh, he's apparently signed a guilty plea right off the bat. In fact, the Ukrainians posted a video of his arrest where they stuck guns in his face. This is an American citizen. I just want to reiterate that point. And the American media has been virtually silent except for rags like the Daily Beast who have been celebrating his arrest. Um, so just two more points on this one uh, i think this is what they want to bring to the united states and the west eventually in some kind of crisis mode you can expect that this will be happening to american citizens at home at some point um maybe it will not take a war but some kind of emergency is going to prompt this and the uh the second thing i would just like to say is a call to action if you go to brian berletic's twitter and look at his pinned tweet you can retweet and like that, and it's going to alert Amnesty International, the supposed uh, champions of human rights, along with Human Rights Watch and the uh, U.S. Embassy for Kiev, and uh, just raise awareness about this issue. Because, uh, and uh, you know, personally, I'd like to ask you both to bring it up publicly as well. Because being on the left, it would really increase the credibility of the free speech coalition, so to speak, if people on the left were seen to be publicly advocating for someone who's clearly not on their side politically, but nevertheless has had their free speech rights violated. Oh, and one last point on this. One of the talking points from the Ukrainians approving of this is that, of course, he was arrested. He's not even a Ukrainian citizen, and he was doing this in a war. Okay. Just so you know, 10 other uh, people were also arrested in Ukraine. You can look this up. They just went on a spree arresting bloggers and all kinds of threats to national security who dare to dissent about the details of missile strikes. Like, I don't know when they said, uh, I'm not going to get into it, but the point is um, it's not just because he's an American citizen, but Ukraine is doing this to their own people. So it's not like he was some kind of, uh, you know, legitimate target and they only went after him or anything like that. It's a complete disgrace that the American media forget about Assange they want this. This is what they want. They, this, this is exactly what they want, this kind of cultural environment. And I think the only way to fight back against it, or one of the best ways, is for people across the political spectrum to speak up for each other when this happens. So 
thank you for letting me take so much of your time on your platform for this really uh, very important issue. Thanks, Andrew. Um, you know, um, I've never known what to think about Gonzalo Lira because yeah, me too. Well, by first the way. of all, <laughs> because uh, I've always found it odd that someone with those views could be living uh, inside Ukraine and not leaving. And you know, there are people who suspect. And I'm not endorsing any view. I'm just relaying what I've seen people speculate that actually he was not who he says he was, and that actually he may have been working for Ukraine in some ways, in a way that, in an effort to entrap people, like to like entrap um, critics of the proxy war. And that started uh, after his first arrest, right? Am, am yeah, I correct? Yeah, okay. yeah. But 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 you know, um, but what, so what you're saying though is he couldn't leave because he, he was under house arrest. So which is totally, that's what I'm hearing. Totally plausible too, and. Um, Certainly, there is a culture inside Ukraine of cracking down on dissent. That's that's just a fact. And um, I also really didn't like what I heard Gonzalo Lira say about Pinochet in his home country of Chile. He was a Pinochet supporter, and about women too. He made some really kind of, I think, vile comments. So definitely, uh, he, I agree a hundred percent. Someone, but obviously, uh, everybody has free speech rights, and um, I hope he's okay. And um, yeah. I, I'm really glad that you raise this issue because it, no matter what we think about this individual, uh, it's important. And, uh, it is, um, you know, uh, it's, it's important and, and it's not something that we can ignore just because we don't like the views of the person who's being, um, who was arrested. So, so thanks for raising this. I appreciate this it. This is why, this is why I follow you and Katie, by the way, is the integrity you have for these kinds of issues. Um, and like I said, today it's Gonzalo Lira, who I agree with how you feel about him. Tomorrow it's Michael Tracy. That's all I'll say. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Tony. Hello, Katie. Hello, Aaron. Hi. How are you? Good. Uh, hope you had a good weekend. You too. It was great. Um. I wanted to say a few things about Meet the Press, and I saw that clip on your show of Chuck Todd last week and almost had a meltdown. So, I don't know if you remember this, but in about 2011 or 2012, the comedian Louis Black was on that show, and he just asked Chuck Todd, how do you talk to these horrible people? And Chuck Todd just said, well, if, I, if I'm rude to them, they won't come back on the show. So he admitted that he has not rude certain politicians because he needs access. Yeah. And as you point out, the only people he's rude to are Republicans. So he admits to being a terrible journalist on purpose to get access journalism to these people. And that's why we never see him confront Democrats or confront anybody in the government over anything. And we see this every week with him. And... um the other thing is, we know that all of these these news shows that you cover, all of them cater their coverage to people that are 67 years old or older, because that all of their coverage is designed to gin up fear in people, whether it's fear of other countries or fear of whatever, fear of brown people. And until we can somehow change that, they're going to they're continue to just just use fear. Because that clip you showed where he's just using um, a survey to 
say that trans rights have gone too far. That's just a gen of fear in people. And so I just wanted to say that unless you somehow change the, the, the profit model of these networks and change who they're catering to, all they're going to do is just promote fear. Yeah, I think it's a good insight. Yeah, and um, because your show caters to people of all ages, and because people don't watch TV anymore, young people don't. So that's all I just wanted to say. Thank you. Thanks. Have a good day. You too. Okay. Kadima. You there? I see you unmuted, but we don't hear you. You're unmuted, so the mic is yours. Okay, we're going to go to the next caller, but come back in, into the line. Do you hear? Uh, someone says I hear back. Okay, she's they're gone. Okay, we'll come back. Joshua. Every week I get jumped ahead or cut off, Aaron. Be nice this week. Um, anyway, um, I, uh, I did listen to the show, and thank you for that. Um, I can't watch the Sunday shows. Um, many of us can't. Uh, but, you know, I want to kind of weave some things together here. Um, we, we pretty much have socialism for the rich at this point. So, I mean, when we're leveraging MMT, maybe we should think about that when we're talking about it. And we don't talk enough, um, especially in a revolutionary context, about MMT and its potential. But we don't have any revolutionary parties in this country. We have one party. Um, and, uh, yeah, when Yellen talks, I just envision my mother balancing the checkbook after she's already looked at her uh, phone and couldn't get back onto the website in order to check the balance. Um, but, you know, she does confuse, you know, supporting wars abroad and or, you know, potentially crypto bros and their bad endeavors thus far and or SVB and or other banks uh, to whatever degree is necessary to keep the casino going, um, which is, uh, I don't know, also not very revolutionary. Uh, but uh, you guys uh, had somebody bring up General Mattis in regards to the most recent shootings that have occurred. It was on Fox News somewhere, and he quoted Mattis. Um, I actually have to uh, confess, I only have read the table of contents and maybe one or two chapters of his book, um, Call Sign Chaos. But, uh, I mean, what is it other than this program, uh, this long-running program, this Dulles-related program, um, but to sow seeds of dissent abroad for um, industrialists at home. And, you know, uh, when you look at our border policy, that's why the two parties are, you know, 
plain theater right now about that. You know, they don't talk about the sanctions. They don't talk about the blowback of climate or water, oil and energy shortages abroad that we foment revolutions in order to get our hands on first. Um, I wasn't even aware that Mattis had a ghostwriter. So, you know, that's the other thing is the people that are running this country, like they can't write their own stories. They need ghostwriters. Um, and or they need, you know, a lobbying job, a think tank job or a Raytheon job once they get out of office. Um, because that's all they've ever known is fomenting a culture of violence. And then they're surprised and shocked when there's blowback. I mean, the thing is, is the guy that tried the actual Nazis in Nuremberg talks about it, the chickens coming home to roost. You know, I'm not trying to foment fear. I'm trying to foment something different. Like there is something where we look at our community and the people around us, the people that are homeless, that are housing insecure. Um, and we go, no, we don't have to serve the people at the top anymore. We need to serve the people that are struggling like us or close to struggling. Um, and we can do that, I think, you know, through many things, activism, however you see fit, by any means necessary. Um, but it starts at home, and hopefully it doesn't start with violence. It starts with gardens and sovereignty. Um, and hopefully it's natural and organic. Okay, thanks, Joshua. Jonathan, go ahead. Uh, hello. Um, firstly, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the showdown on the with uh, you know Katie Halper moderating between uh, uh, between Aaron and uh, sorry, what, who was it? That was um, yeah, Aaron Good and and um, and what's Mike, his name? Uh, kind of Mike, Mike Tracy. Michael. Yeah, Tracy Michael Tracy. That's it. Yeah, and I like I'm kind of halfway between the two on that on that particular issue. Uh, so I'm, I'm eager to hear that one, uh, kind of sussed out. I do think Aaron kind of views, uh, you know, Kennedy through, um, uh, through Talbot's generations kind of rose colored glasses. Uh, but on the other hand, he definitely cites a, a bunch of receipts that, that kind of can't be ignored on at least some of those aspects. So I don't know. I'm eager to hear how that plays out, but, um, I, I did, uh, I also wanted to say like, uh, you know, just to, to uh, follow up uh, with the conversation on your last call and uh, with um, with my partner on on our call and show that uh, you, the invitation is whenever you feel like it this week next week. Uh, I'll, I'll text back. I'll text him back. Absolutely. Uh, the, yeah. The main thing I called to talk about was uh, was also the the you know Janet Yellen spot, which was interesting because like there was part of what she was saying was, was certainly true when she said, uh, you know, the, the financial instruments that come from, uh, the debt we issue, those treasury bonds, um, you know, is something that, uh, investors in the financial sector all over the world love. Uh, but, uh, the rest of it, uh, was I think dishonest because she has to know as, you know, the secretary of the treasury, former Fed official, you know, all the stuff that she's done, uh, the basics of how federal finance works. 
and the fact that this isn't about creating the money. The money was created as soon as Congress appropriated it. This is about clearing payments from our central bank, which the Treasury is obligated to do once Congress passes it. Like, there's nothing in the Constitution about a central bank. And so there's a constitutional obligation to make sure that the federal government's payments clear once Congress has appropriated the money. And the fact that they have all these means at their disposal to absolutely do things like, uh, for example, mint a trillion dollar coin to serve that purpose. That's not about creating money. That's just about sticking it in the Treasury's general account to make sure the federal government's payments clear. Uh, And they can only spend money that's already been appropriated by Congress. So the question remains, why are they pretending like their hands are tied uh, and whose interest is it serving for them to continue playing this kind of kabuki theater out? Um, It's uh, definitely, you know, got the wheels in my head spinning on that one because there isn't really a clear like there's definitely some people that benefit from this. But like, what's the end game? I like I can't even fathom exactly what they have in mind by indulging in this nonsense. Like maybe they're colluding with the Republicans on cutting federal uh, like entitlements and scaling back more of this stuff. I don't know. Like I just can't figure out what the game is. I don't know. I'll just be honest. You know more about this than I do. So I should be asking you about this. Well, I mean, I, I, I know people that, uh, you know, in the MMT space that have gone and, you know, lectured at the Fed, um, you know, on these kinds of issues. So, like, they know, they know what the options are. They know they could do this. And they're just pretending like they can't and their hands are tied. And I don't, like, I don't think they know any better either. They're like, what is their game? I don't understand. But, yeah, I don't know. It, it certainly can't be anything good. So who do you think are good, are good guests on this issue, by the way? Uh, let's see. Um, yeah. Bob Hockett, Ron Gray. Uh, those are the, the attorneys that operate in that space that have actually gone and lectured, but they may kind of be a little tricky to book sometimes. And, and some of them are, have kind of shitty politics. Right. Uh, Steve Grumbine has said he's, he's willing to come on anytime you DM him. Um, so he's, uh, like he's the head of, uh, real progressives, which is like an MMT, uh, advocacy group. He does the podcast macro and cheese. Um, and he knows as much as any economist on that stuff. Um, and he, uh, like his, he does a lot of his work for the Pennsylvania DOT project management from home. And he can usually schedule appearances even between meetings on short notice. So, uh, he's actually like, he, it, all you have to do is DM him. All right. Great. That's super easy. And he can, I... he can give the rundown. Like he talks to all these people. He can probably, uh, you know, get some people to come on to, to follow up with more detailed explanations if you want them. But, uh, he, he knows everything you need to know about that kind of stuff. Uh, but I don't, I know he doesn't have the answer to that broader question. And what's their game either. Uh, is, I don't know. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for raising these good questions. No, no problem. Uh, looking forward to uh, to Tuesday, and uh, thanks for uh, making my uh, exit from my shift, uh, you know, much more interesting. Getting the wheels in my head turning. Well, thank you for being an EMT.
Life saving. No problem. Great. No problem. Bye, Have a good rest of the day. Bye. Okay, Kadima. Hi, Kadima. Unmute yourself and Yo. speak. Hey. Can you hear me this time? Yep. All right. Good morning, um, Aaron. Good morning, Katie. Good morning. So first, I want to follow up on that last caller, uh, Mr. Jonathan. So that yelling lady, the yelling lady, she obviously lying. You don't need to be an economist to know that. Um, either big part of pre- and post-war history. America default on the, on, on the debt so many times in the past is actually a shame. Um, our favorite president, FDR. Right. He do that during the um, Great Depression. We call it restructuring your debt um, or repudiation or something like that. But the fact of the matter is that might be the best thing for the country at this point. It's going to be hard. You understand? If all they do that, it, it will be hard. No. But it might be the best thing for the future going forward. You know? Right. So one point I wanted to make. And the second point is, um, you know, I listen to a lot of all your journalists online. I listen to a lot to the Grey Zone. I love the Grey Zone, Aaron. I love all, all the work I do across there. Right, but you know, sometimes I get a feeling like I don't really like the country that much, you know. Uh, um, I don't love like like America. Um, America is like the super villain for the world, but I like the marketing material. Um, the people who write the Declaration of Independence and who found all the country were deeply flawed people. You know, they were slave owners, but they're, yet they write all men should be equal. Um, but, you know, I like the ideas of America. And sometimes I feel like, you know, all the lefties and, and socialists, they don't really like the country. Uh, I think that's a problem. Huh. Well, listen, I love the country. I, uh, I'm i a humble immigrant. I'm not from, I'm from Canada, right? So Yeah, I know I'm you're happy, from Canada. Happy <laughs> I, I've always loved, I've always loved uh, U.S. culture. Uh, it's very... I feel like that never comes out in the shows, though, because all they always like talking about uh, some serious shit. I mean, well, you know, I mean, yeah, but that's what we do. You know, we talk about serious stuff. I mean, but uh, that's but uh, no, listen, if I if I had the time, I'd love to talk about stuff I enjoy. But it's just Tupac. You you often bring up Tupac. Sure. I mean, there's a you know, um, but I just imagine that 30 years ago, Tupac was talking about, um, you know, only have money for war, but no money for poor people. That's right. right. And look, we still here. I know. Nowhere. License Tupac was um he he got murdered the same year I was born, nineteen ninety six. Mm. Uh, I, mm. I almost thirty. I turned mm. thirty next three years. Yeah. And ain't shit changed, son. That crazy, right? It is crazy. It is crazy. Um he talked about homelessness and said that like um you know Ronald Reagan could put people up in the in the White House. Anyway. I don't think the the U.S. had a good pre- maybe FDR, but I don't think they had a good president for like the past hundred years. Yeah, FDR. Comes. I agree. <laughs> I, I definitely agree. I definitely, you know. Yeah. yeah. And the problem yeah. is this incremental um, electoral process. Comp- right now, we see and that is a complete and utter fraud. It's fraudulent. Nothing will ever come out of that. What they need to do is reform the system, right? France have a really good system with the rank order, the choices. Even though it has 14 choices on the ballot, 
a French person will tell you they hate all 14 candidates, but you know, at least they're better than what they have because they're basically voting for two wings of the same party. Hello? I totally agree. Yeah. I, 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 I agree with every word. And um, like I said, I'd love to speak about cultural issues more, but it's just not the time because we have to focus on serious stuff. And also, it is true that culture has, in some ways, I mean, like, look at how Tupac was once, like, the you know, a dominant force in, in music. And now artists like that don't really exist anymore. Um, I, my friend sent me a, a song the other mm-hmm. day. Yeah. By a young lady is rapping about um, the colors of her private parts and, and her anus. And mm-hmm. There you go. There it goes. Yeah. Poetry, right? You know, I mean, I, I, what we call poetry in the modern day. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I hate to sound like a, you know, like one, of, you know, one of these old timers just complaining about the past, how it was better, but it's true. It just is. It's just. Yo, um, we were strong in the nineties. Yo, we didn't have power staring in. Let them know yeah, that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank, thank you for the call. Yeah, Aaron, Katie, have a good day. Have a blessed day. I'm gonna say that. You, you too. Know. You too. Bye. All right, Jonathan. Hello, Jonathan. Hello, Jonathan. Asked a question. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, he asked, what's their game? And there's sort of two answers to that question, but you can't – I guess you could have them both, but it's sort of 80-20. Like, I talked about You're breaking. Wait, you're breaking up, which is unfortunate because it sounds like you're going to drop some knowledge. Are you there? Jonathan, we can't hear you well. Can you get into a better place for you a better reception? How's that? Is that better? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, um, when you say ask what their game is, the Yellens and the, uh, of, of the world – it's either, say, take bonds, for example. You could say the devaluation of bonds from which the mid-side banks have been suffering is either like a long play at devaluing our debt to China or some, like, you know, big brain stuff like that. Or, and this is what I think, if you have to choose between evil and incompetence, I'm going with incompetence. I think you can take them at their word. When they say they want to create, and I quote, demand destruction, by uh, lowering wages, by increasing unemployment, I believe that they believe exactly what they're saying. And, and that you can just, it, they have a choice. And these are people that are concerned about their legacy. And they know that they can, but they don't have the power to prevent the collapse. They just choose whether the world ends in fire or ice. And they're going to choose ice because their legacy will be tarnished if it's hyperinflation. That's the world ending in fire, hyperinflation. And they'll do anything to not make that happen. So they'll choose a protracted, possibly in the long run, slightly deflationary recession, but only because there's no money, right? So that's like walking into the doctor's office complaining of a headache and he shoots you in the face and is like, my patient no longer has a headache. If that's technically true. He achieved his, accompli- his stated goals. And so we're going to cure that hyperinflation by shooting our patient in the face. Millions of people falling out the bottom, economic bottom of America. But God damn it, we're going to keep that hyperinflation down. So, And that's what they're thinking about. And they just don't have any real contact with people on the bottom half of society. So they don't really feel it. 
and they've been chosen for their job because their dissertation at their university that they did for their master's degree or whatever showed so little imagination that they can't think outside of this box. And they know that it's legally feasible and conceivable to write, mint a trillion dollar coin. But they don't, they honestly don't see it as their job to help the American people in that way. They see it as their job to represent the views of the people that appointed them. Now, that's not necessarily like, like they actually believe that. I'm not saying that's corruption or, uh, or, uh, you know, it's, they really believe that. They don't they're understand true, checks and balances. Belie- they're true yeah. believers, you're saying. They're true believers and, and their education about the philosophy of sort of liberalism is so thin that they don't understand checks and balances that, you know, like the, the executive branch they represent and the judiciary and the, and the, and the Senate need to work against each other, not for each other. So they're just, they all work together to oppress the American people. You know what I mean? There are no checks and balances all the way down to the police officer who's like, I'm just doing my job or I'm just following orders. Like the whole point of the executive branch's check against the other two is that you choose not to do that. You know what I mean? And the same goes for any representative of the executive branch. You could just like do whatever you can to help people regardless of what, you know, the Supreme Court or whatever the Senate thinks or but they don't see it as their job. They know it's possible, but they're like, oh, they would just kick me out and replace me with somebody else. So I'm going to do what they want me to do. They not meaning the American people, they meaning the people that appointed them. Yeah, it's the iron law of institutions. Right, right. And it's that like it's so it's not a big conspiracy. It's just a little conspiracy because it's really pretty simple concept. The iron law of institutions. Right. Which is that you care more about your position within an institution than the institution itself. Yeah, yeah, and lack the imagination to see it as your job to do anything other than exactly what you feel Joe Biden wants you to. Right. That's all. Well, thanks, Jonathan. Great Jonathan input today. Okay, neoliberal tears. Uh, Hey, besties. Good morning. Um, Good morning. Um. So uh, I guess, Katie, this is more directed at you, but um, great hair today. It's always Oh, always thank you. Hair. Uh, Aaron, you too. Uh, but Katie, I think, pulled it off better. Um, no offense, but also up your game. Um, you know, yeah, it's an opportunity sure. for him to learn, to grow, to change, to evolve. Um, I just wanted to make a recommendation to you guys if you have Netflix. Um, have you heard of The Diplomat? Uh, I did. It's with Carrie. What's your name? Russell? Yes. Felicity. Mm-hmm. Felicity. Yeah. I just saw it on Netflix. I actually just watched Beef, which I loved. So. You see, that's the next one I'm going to check out because I heard yeah, everyone's telling me to check to check out Beef. So, yeah, you great. know, I'm, I have this like instinct of like when everyone recommends me something, I just I, I wait too long. I, I It's happening to me with Game of Thrones, but I'm going to push through. But really, th- don't let that happen to you. Uh, because The Diplomat, it's so... I'm really curious what, what you would both think about it. Because it's like... Uh, have you watched The Americans? I watched some of it. I thought it was overwritten and overacted. But <laughs> I, I know my yeah. thinks that. <laughs> that's, that's brutally honest and yeah. definitely fair. Um, but I watched but like, that actor on the show... Um, Perry Mason, which I like. Oh, Matthew Reese. Oh, I see. Who's uh, Welsh? He's Welsh. Yeah. Yes, he is. Yes. Um, which you would never know. Great accent. Know. Yeah. Um, actually, went to like my high school wasn't like my um, 
the last years of my high school were in Wales and that accent oh. is insane. It's really, it's impossible yeah. to decipher most, but like, um, yeah, like in the diplomat, they sort of, so it's Kerry Russell working for like, uh, as like an ambassador and like, um, basically their, their, their thesis is that state department people and bureaucrats are the ones trying to hold back politicians from being warmongery. Mm. And, and the twist is sort of that, like, the politicians are the ones starting wars and all of that. So, um, yeah, I'd love to know what, what you guys think about it. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll start watching it because I'm curious about it. Yeah. So is it good? Is it good television? Um, I, I think so. I mean, and yeah. it's, I mean, it's sort of, I mean, I'm, I have mixed reactions because like they, I have like a CIA sort of like, um, person there who like they try to humanize like she yeah. has like a you know she has a love relationship and all of, like you know she's you know they're doing it for the greater good but like um it's from the same executive producer that wrote um homeland I knew for the last two seasons right after you said that about the cia and you said the same person i was like it's going to be a homeland yeah which <laughs> also humanized the cia but they were a little tricky because they kind of you kind of trusted them because they were critical of, of U.S. foreign policy. They showed what terrible things the United States did. But ultimately, I think the net the, the net view of the United States was positive. Right. It was like uh, at the, like the institutions are corrupted, but there are good people right. positions that try to do the right thing and, yeah. and be heroes. Um, Although, I mean, I kind of, I don't know. What did you, did you watch Homeland? I kind of liked. Yeah, I watched the first couple seasons. I never loved yeah. it. My parents were really into it. Oh, <laughs> okay. oh wow. I uh, usually forget my, my mom parents to... on shows, but yeah. Oh, I mean, at least they watched it. I can't get my mom to watch anything. Uh, oh, but uh... no, They spend a lot of time watching shows, my parents, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, thanks, guys, and uh, amazing show today. Thank you. And thanks. Later. Later. All right, we got Fanta Masfanta, master clipper of many shows, including Useful Idiots. Although I don't think I got any clips today, but that's okay. He's still great, and he clips Useful Idiots and the Katie Helper show. D- duly noted. I did want to make a suggestion for um, a guest. Since Aaron brought up Tupac, the series Dear Mama is coming to a conclusion. Oh, where is this series? I didn't even know about it. It's on Hulu. But th- the interesting thing about Dear Mama is the director, Alan Hughes, who also directed uh, Menace to Society. Oh. He weaves the two stories of Afini and Tupac. So you get the oh, backstory wow. of the Black Panther Party but and the community organization. And then also you get the story of um, Tupac as well. And they, it goes back and forth and shifts between their lives. And the way wow. he puts it together is really great. And Aaron, if you haven't watched it, and also, Katie, if you haven't watched it as well. I didn't even know about it. It, it covers so much that when you watch it, um, you, you get to see the whole panoramic view of just everything from New York to Baltimore to the trial. He, they, they talk to um, Tupac's father, his stepfather. Um, it covers. The, Wait, the, is it a documentary or? Is yes, it- it's a documentary series. Oh. Um, it's I believe it's five episodes. And it's just it's just incredible to watch. But I would suggest to get anyone from that person out. Even Tupac's lawyer, I'm, I'm guessing she would talk, Lila Steinberg. Wow. And um, there's just so much that you could, um, that people could um, learn and grasp from that. It's, and it covers such a great way of the, the poetry and the lyrics. And I've seen a lot of Tupac documentaries, and I can tell you this right now. 
Um, Alan Hughes has done a really uh, impressive job uh, for the fact that uh, there's so much uh, dynamics to it. And one of the interesting things about it is the fact that Alan Hughes really didn't want to cover Tupac because on the set of Menace to Society, Tupac's crew beat up <laughs> beat up uh, the Hughes brothers pretty oh, wow. badly, and it took him a while before he uh, before he uh, was uh, before he said yes to this documentary. Um, they, the, the 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 Tupac estate kept asking him, and um, it's just impressive to watch. And Aaron, I would suggest you watch it if you haven't. Um, uh, seen any episodes and you know katie as well but yeah. there's so many people you could talk to in that circle that you can learn from so much history that uh alan uses uncovered and there's it's just a it would just be really a fascinating deep dive into it sounds well, great that's a great yeah, idea i can't wait to see that show i haven't seen it yet but i can't wait to see it, it aaron you, you'll really like it but yeah. that's i'm just gonna leave it there but thank you very much thanks phantomus thank you thanks for calling all right. Yeah. Well, looks like our queue is empty. So yeah. should we wrap it there? Sure. Yeah. Thanks, guys, so much for coming. Oh, look, we have one more call. Here we oh, go. Okay, CN. Go ahead. CN? Hello, CN. You're unmuted, so it's just you just got to speak. Well, no CN. Okay. Well, um, so we'll leave it there. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Usefulidiots.substack.com. And we'll see you next time. Yes. Bye, everyone. Bye. I keep pressing end. Okay.